Have you ever heard it said? Have you ever heard it said that there's a ra- there'll, there'll be a ram in the bush? Have you guys heard this saying? There's always a ram in the bush for the believer. Have you guys heard this? I remember the first time I heard it. Uh, I heard a, an African American preacher preaching, and he was pretty jazzed up about the text that we're going to talk about um, tonight. And he says, "For you, as a Christian, there's always a ram." In the bush, and you heard Kenneth read the text, right? Um, Abraham was engaging in some really hard obedience, but there was a ram stuck. I think the biblical word uh, in most translations was stuck in a thicket. Um, so, what are we saying when we say that for the believer who who obeys God in faith? that there'll be a ram in the bush. Exactly what are we saying? I think we're saying a number of things, not least of which is God will meet us in obedience. I know we talk about this all the time. God meets His people in obedience. There's always a ram in the bush for those who believe God, those who trust God, and those who obey God. There's always a ram in the bush. This is evangelical shorthand for the beautiful truth that God can be trusted. It's born again uh, rhetoric underscoring the fact that God is a promise keeper. Amen? The only reason Abraham can fearlessly take his boy, who he dearly loves, up the mountain is because he knows God is a promise keeper. He knows it. He knows it. So he has a kind of fearless uh, faith within him. We've been talking a lot about this, right? This uh, joy that we have in God. It's the kind of joy that sets us free. We are free to obey God. We don't have to be afraid. We are free. And Abraham is free to obey God in this very, very hard um, command that has come his way, you know, I, I trust, beloved, that as we talk about a lot, Christianity is not a religion in the sense that other world religions are religions. Christianity is supernatural. Christianity is coming, God coming for His people. And if God doesn't come, You know, we have no hope of living out what God's called us to do. We can't do it without God. Amen? We can't do it without God. Biblical Christianity cannot be lived without God. Now, it's easy to be religious in a Christian sense. Pseudo-Christian. Yeah, we've, we've talked a lot about that. It's easy to just show up for church. That's easy. Anybody can do that. Any false religion can show up and do some kind of worship service. But I'm talking about real Christianity. I'm talking about when it gets really hard and you don't understand what God is doing, but you obey Him anyway, right? That's what we see here in this text. Abraham's clueless. He doesn't really know why God's commanded this. He doesn't understand it. But that's never the prerequisite for a true Christian, right? It's not that I understand what God is doing. 
What is the prerequisite for a true Christian? I believe what God has told me. And I will live in accordance with that belief. Even if I don't understand it right now. Amen? It's not about understanding, beloved. It's never about understanding. It's about believing. It's about trusting. It's about obeying. And that's what we see in the life of Abraham tonight. You guys know it. It comes up in my preaching all the time. James chapter 1, verse 22. We are called to be... Anybody remember? He, he, James says, those who merely hear the Word of God but don't do the Word of God. Remember the word he used? He said, they are deluded. Pseudo-Christianity. It's a delusion. We praise God with our lips, but we never go out the door into the world and live the Word of God. We don't do the Word of God. This is pseudo-Christianity. Biblical Christianity, born-again Christianity, is I believe God in such a way that it changes everything in my life. It changes everything in my life. That's what true belief is. That's what true conversion is. If God's come into me, the Holy Spirit's living in me, I'm attempting to live by the Word. Yeah, everything starts to change. Some things change slower than others. But God is at work in us. So, Christianity is a supernatural proposition. It's bigger than any of our resumes. Jesus says, follow me. That's not on your resume, beloved. That's not on your CV. The only way you can do it is by the power that He grants to us. You know, my favorite, one of my favorite chapters in all the Bibles, Hebrews 11. And um, so who's the main character of Hebrews 11? You guys remember the great hall of fame of faith? You got, you got Noah and Abraham and Moses and Joseph and Isaac and Gideon and David and Rahab and Sarah. You got all of these people. But my question to you is, who's the main character in Hebrews 11? Who? God! Because none of them can do Hebrews 11 if God doesn't show up. If God is just some mythical character as most world religions worship, there's no hope to actually live biblical Christianity. God is the main character in Hebrews 11. God shows up when His people obey. Some of you are familiar. I, I left business and went to seminary at age 42 and I can still remember I trembled. You know, you're supposed to tremble sometimes. It's okay to tremble. You should tremble sometimes if you're obeying the Lord because sometimes it's going to be hard. Uh, sometimes it will be difficult. Sometimes God will be asking you to do things that are clearly not on your resume as He did for me when I was 42, but I can still remember trembling a little bit. It was getting close. I was 60 days away from from getting in my little Miata and driving to Kansas City to go to seminary. And I was just cycling through the Old Testament, you know, just reading through the Old Testament, and I came to this promise. You guys, some of you will know this, this great text from, from uh, the book of Joshua. Joshua writes this, So the Lord gave Israel all the land which He had sworn to their fathers, and they possessed it, and they lived in it. And the Lord gave them rest on every side according to all that He had sworn to their fathers. 
and no one of all their enemies stood before them. The Lord gave all their enemies into their hand. Listen to this. And when I read this, nobody could have stopped me from getting in my little Miata and driving to seminary. I already knew this. I was already convinced of this, but I really believed in my daily Bible reading. God was saying, Jim, you're free! You're free to obey me as big as you dare. Why? Because he's a promise keeper. This is what that great text in Joshua says. Not one of the good promises which the Lord made to his people failed to come to pass. Do you know this about him? This is why Abraham can walk up that mountain with full assurance that Isaac's going to walk back down that mountain with him. He doesn't really understand how it's going to work. We'll see that in the text. But he's free to do it, he's free to obey God. He's, you know, here's the key to living biblical Christianity. It's always the same. You learn God correctly. Not some caricature of Jesus, not some pseudo-Christian view of Jesus, but the biblical Jesus. The biblical Jesus. Learn God correctly and you will be free to live your Christianity huge for the glory of Christ. And we say it all the time. That's why you're still here. That's why I'm still here. Right? It'd be very much better to be with God. But He's left us here. He's left us here to be His people. So we're still in this impromptu, unplanned sermon series. We've been talking about the deep, emotive, visceral, compelling characteristics of the heart and thinking and life of a true believer. You may remember five weeks ago now, we talked about how Christians seek the Lord. God has commanded all mankind to seek Him. And Christians are seeking Him. We saw uh, four weeks ago that we desire and press to know God more. We saw it in uh, Moses' life in Exodus 33. We want to know God more intimately. Three weeks ago, uh, we saw that uh, we saw Paul worship, and he and we saw that exhortation to give ourselves away in our worship. That's our reasonable a reasonable spirit of worship that we give ourselves to Christ in worship. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about the man in Matthew 13, 44, how he treasured Jesus. And how he, Jesus was his deep pleasure and his deep joy. And he found completion in Jesus. Right? Last week, we saw that forgiven prostitute love Christ with all that she had. Yeah, everybody was offended at this display of, of unrestrained love, but she loved the Lord and she worshipped the Lord. All these things are true of you tonight if you're a Christian. You understand how this feels, right? You understand these desires and these feelings in your own heart to, to relate to God this way. And tonight, I want us to look at, uh, I want us to look at this beautiful text where we see this this uh, additional aspect or characteristic of of born-again Christianity, and that is we trust God and we obey God. Abraham trusted God. And I'll just stop and ask you, do you trust God? You know, this last week in Young Adult Bible Study, we were in that great text, Luke chapter 12, and Jesus says, why are you worrying? Why are you anxious? Does anybody, did anybody from the young adults remember what Jesus said to him? You remember what he indicted him? He said, O men of what? Little faith. Why are you worrying about stuff? 
Do you not trust me? You know, Jesus says, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and I'll take care of everything else. That's what God says right there in Luke chapter 12. Jesus incarnate, God incarnate. He says, come after me. I'll take care of everything else. You don't need to worry about it. You just, you just obey me. You just follow me. You just come with me. And so tonight we see Abraham trust God. Of course, yes, uh, Abraham trusts God for his salvation. We get that. He trusts in Jesus alone for His salvation. He's looking forward to the Messiah. He doesn't know the name Jesus yet, but He knows the name Messiah. He knows Messiah. Oh, guess what's going to come through whom? Who's Messiah going to come through? Isaac. <laughs> this is why He knows Isaac's going to come back down the mountain with Him. He's fully persuaded that he can trust God in this hard thing. And that's really one question I have for you. Will you trust God in your life when it's hard? And will you still obey Him or will you make excuses? You know, it's the easiest thing in the world to do is make some excuse. It's the easiest thing in the world to do is to rationalize. Well, I can't obey now. It's too hard. It's too costly. It's too risky. That's always wrong, beloved. <laughs> I'll have to tell you, right? It's always wrong. Obey the Lord. It doesn't matter what it costs. Oh, guess what? There'll be a ram in the bush. Oh, I've got so many stories I could tell you. I just simply do not have time. Every time I believe God huge, there's been a ram in the bush, beloved. There's been a ram in the bush. There was a ram in the bush every time. God met me in obedience. He met me there. I love what Thomas Watson said, this old Puritan. Listen to what he says. He says, Faith, though it sometimes has a trembling hand, of course, must not have a withered hand. It must, it must stretch out. I love that quote. It must stretch out. Yes, Abraham believed God for his salvation, but he believed God in a different way. He believed that he could live out the Word of God. He believed he could obey God in every circumstance. He believed he could trust God not only for the salvation of his soul, but for the living of his life. You know, I hear so many Christians say, yeah, I trust Jesus for the salvation of my soul. But they won't take one risk in the name of the Gospel. Don't ask me to be uncomfortable for the Gospel. Don't ask me to be a witness in the world. You know? Abraham believed God in such a way that he believed Him for the salvation of his soul and he believed Him for the living of his life of faith. Abraham believed he could be a disciple of God because God was who God was. Amen? It goes back to, it goes back to learning God correctly. Have you learned God correctly? Have you learned there will always be a ram in the bush? Have you learned it? And are you living like you have learned that? Or are you still unsure? Are you still afraid to fully trust God? And just abandon yourself to what God has called you to do and who God has called you to be. I love how R.C. Sproul says this. Uh, he says, to live by faith is to live by trust. Okay, we understand that, right? That's easy. He said this means far more than believing in God, which many people claim, I believe in God! I believe in God! But Sproul goes on, it means believing God. 
Not simply believing in God, but believing God and acting on what God has said. Beloved, that's where the rubber hits the road, right? That's, that's where we understand, you know, that's, that's where we, we understand if it's pseudo-Christianity or biblical Christianity. So you guys heard the text read. God tested Abraham. And He said to Abraham, He said to him, Abraham! And Abraham said, Here I am. <laughs> Don't you love it? He says, Here I am. It's almost like, you know, he, he's poised. You know, he's waiting to hear from God. He, he's poised. And so, why is God testing Abraham? Does God need to find something out about Abraham? Does he need to find out something new about Abraham? Something he doesn't know about Abraham? I would submit to you that this is not about God finding out if He can trust Abraham. It's about Abraham finding out that he can trust God in every circumstance. Abraham already knows this. He's going to go up the mountain with his boy. And he knows he's coming back down the mountain with his boy. This is just going to reaffirm what Abraham already knows is true. So whenever you see God test one of His children in the Bible, it's not for God's benefit. God is omniscient. He knows all things. He doesn't need to learn something new about Abraham. Abraham needs to learn something new about God. And I, want you to, I don't want you to forget this, right? When the trial comes, when the hard obedience comes, <laughs> we, we say this all the time, but it's true. God's going to teach you something new about Himself. God is teaching you something. Don't wring your hands and moan and groan and have a pity party when it gets hard. Say, teach me, Lord. Teach me what I need to know. That's what God is doing. God is teaching His people. So why does God test us? If you actually go to 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6-9, through 9, you read this. God tells us that he tests, these tests are necessary, that the proof of our faith being tested by fire may be found to result in the glory of Jesus and the salvation of our souls. God wants you to know that you're a Christian. He wants you to be convinced that you're a Christian. He wants you to know you're a Christian. He doesn't want you to have any doubt because He wants you to live like it. <laughs> you know, If you have some doubt about this, you're not going to fully incarnate this. And that's what the test is about. It's not for God to see who you really are. It's for you to see who you really are. Do you understand? It's for you to see who you really are. Do I really love this God? Would I really, will I really trust and live for this God? Verse 1, again, Abraham says, Here I am! It's like, it's like Abraham jumps to attention. It's like hearing from God is the most important thing that ever happens to him. Let me ask you, is that true of you? Are you giving quality time on a daily basis to simply be still and be before God and love God and hear from God and pray to God and listen to God? You know, it's like, you can, you know, to me anyway, this is how I interpret the text. Abraham doesn't allow anyone or anything to get between him and God. And when God calls him, Abraham says, Here I am, Lord. Is that how it is with you and Jesus? Verses 2 and 3. 
God says, take your son, your only son, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering. So Abraham rose early in the morning and he saddled his donkey. And he took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and he split wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Did you notice Abraham doesn't question God about this. This is a mysterious command from God. This is not really like God in one sense. But Abraham doesn't ask one question. He just obeys. How does a man obey God like this? How does a man obey God like this? There's an American preacher. His name's Steve Brown. I like what he says. He says, he says, if you've never stood before God and been confused, then you've never stood before God. Amen? Beloved, again, understanding is not the prerequisite to living the Christian life. Trusting God is the prerequisite. Trusting God is the prerequisite. So Abraham, he doesn't, under, really, he doesn't really understand the command, but that's not the issue with him. He gets up early the next day, right? He gets all the things that he needs, the wood, and, 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 he, and he heads off to the place where God told him to go. How does Abraham do this? Well, I'll give you one reason. Abraham's been wa- walking with God for 25 years by, by this time. And he not only believes that God is God, he's seen it. And he not only believes that God is good, he knows it. And he knows that God is a promise keeper. He knows he's going to walk up the mountain with Isaac, and he knows he's going to walk down the mountain with Isaac. He doesn't really understand how that's going to work yet. But he believes it to be true. This is how real faith grows and matures in the Christian life. We encounter God. We are born again. And then we have this desire for God. And in this desire for God, we begin to seek God. And in seeking God, we, we come to know God more and more. And in knowing God, we come to love and trust God more and more. And in loving and trusting God, we get caught up in this habit-forming uh, proposition of obedience. You guys know it's habit-forming, right? It's addicting. Once you... Once you Open your hands with God. Once you stop trying to hang on to whatever you think you need to hang on to to be safe, once you open your hands with God, uh, yeah, it's, it's just fun. I mean, I'm not telling you I've arrived. I haven't arrived. You know, the Apostle Paul uh, told the Philippians that he hadn't arrived yet, and I certainly haven't arrived yet. I've got miles to go, but I've learned to open my hands And there's always a ram in the bush, beloved. And it's just fun to watch God show up. It's just fun to encounter God in the obedience. A couple weeks ago when we talked about that man in Matthew 13, 44, I didn't share with you one thing that John Piper says about that text. You know, we talked about the root of true conversion. It's joy, right? The root of true conversion is joy. From joy, he went and sold all that he had that he might have the treasure with the treasure being Jesus. But in His obedience, joy comes. And it's like we go from conversion, we're, we're converted in joy, then we move on in obedience, which, and then we have this God encounter and there's joy. 
Then we move on again in faith. There's more joy. And then we grow deeper in, in our obedience. There's more joy. And we, you know, it's just this never-ending cycle of learning God more intimately and enjoying Him. Verse 5, And Abraham said to his young man, You guys stay here with the donkey. Isaac and I will go up yonder and we will worship and return to you. What did Abraham just say? What did he just say right there? Did you, did, did you hear him? Yeah, you heard him, right? We will go and we will come back. He doesn't understand how God's going to pull this off. But because all the promises of God to Abraham come through Isaac, he knows he's coming back with Isaac. He has not one doubt in his mind. This is hard for Abraham to do in one sense, in a, in a fleshly sense. And Beloved, God's going to call you to do things that are hard in a fleshly sense. And you're not fully going to understand it. But what I want to challenge you tonight is will you believe God, will you trust God, and will you obey God? That's what we're learning in the text here. This is what true believers do. True believers live like this. True believers live like this. <laughs> Abraham knows he's coming back with Isaac. He doesn't really understand about the ram in the bush yet, but he knows God's provision one way or the other, will be there for him. Let me backtrack just a minute. As I said to you uh, a while ago, uh, I think I mentioned that, that you guys know this already. Isaac is a miracle, right? He's already a miracle. Because Abraham was 100 years old and Sarah was what? Barren. He, he's the child of promise. He's the miracle child. He's already a miracle. So, you know, Abraham has no great aversion to the fact that God can do whatever He pleases. That's why I read the psalm to you. Psalm 115.3 God does whatever He pleases. If God wants to give a child to a 100-year-old man and a barren woman, He does it. Right? And do you remember when God came to Sarah and, and Abraham and said, you're going to have a child. Do you remember what Sarah did? She laughed. Do you remember what the Lord said? Why does she laugh? <laughs> Is anything too hard for me? <laughs> right? Have you ever said that in your own circumstance? Has it ever been hard? Has it ever looked difficult? Has it ever looked costly and risky to go with Jesus in a, some circumstance? And did, did you ever say, nothing's too hard for God. I'll obey God and I leave the consequences to God. That's His Divine prerogative. If we perish, we perish. Amen? As Esther said. We're free, beloved. We're free. We're free. It's a kind of joy. <laughs> it's a kind of joy that, yeah, makes us fearless and makes us free. You guys know Romans 4. Romans 4 references this account and of Abraham and Sarah. And let me just read Romans 4, 19-21 for you. Without becoming weak in faith, Abraham, with respect to the promise of God, did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully assured that what God had promised, He was able to perform. I love, I love the King James 
Translation here, the King James uses the, the term Abraham was fully persuaded. <laughs> he was fully persuaded. Let me ask you, I meet so many professed Christians who are not fully persuaded. They believe God in an academic sense. You know, it's easy to believe God in a Bible study. It's easy to believe God sitting in the church. But you go out in the world, many that I have encountered in my 30 years, many, and they're just afraid. And I'm challenging you as God challenges me. Yes, there's still things in my life I'm afraid of too. I don't stand up here as a pristine example of how it should be done. But beloved, is anything too hard for our God? Is anything too hard for our God? Should we ever shrink back from, from anything He's called us to do? God forbid if we would be a people who would shrink back. I love Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of this Romans 4 text. He says, listen to this, you're going to love this. Abraham didn't tiptoe around the promises of God asking cautiously skeptical questions. This is the part I love. He plunged into the promise and he came up strong, ready for God, sure that God would make good on everything he had said. He plunged into it. Is that how it is in your life? Are you plunging into obedience? Are you plunging into obedience at the university? In your home? In your marriage? At work? In the neighborhood? Are you plunging into obedience? I love that imagery. Abraham knew not to doubt God because Abraham had seen so many things come to pass. He had seen so many promises kept. So Abraham didn't dither. He didn't debate with God. He simply obeyed God. Hebrews 11, you know, again, Abraham doesn't really know exactly what, how God's going to pull this off. And Hebrews 11:17-19 gives us some insight into what Abraham is thinking. Let me read it to you. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was offering up his only son. It was to he whom it had been said, In Isaac your descendants shall be called. Abraham considered that God was able to raise people from the dead. So Abraham's ready to pull out the knife. We see it in the text. And cut the boy's throat. He's ready to do it. Because he believes God will raise him from the dead. Abraham reckoned that God was able to raise men from the dead. That's how much he believed and trusted God. This is a beautiful lesson for us, beloved. So this hard thing with Isaac, it's not a deal killer, killer with God. Because God is who God is. He's a trustworthy God. And Abraham knows that this hard thing is no hard thing for his God. Abraham's seen it before. You know, when you walk with Jesus long enough, you see things. <laughs> you just see things. You see a lot of things. And your faith grows and it grows and it grows and it grows. And when you obey God in the hard place, it grows even more. Abraham understands he doesn't need to understand. 
He just needs to trust God and obey. You guys heard verse 6 and following red, Abraham took the wood, he took the fire, he took the knife, they started up the mountain. And Isaac said, Father, where, where's, the, uh, where's the lamb for the burnt offering? I'm in verse 8. And Abraham said, God will provide for Himself the lamb. Right? <laughs> he, has no, he has no fear. He's not concerned. My promise-keeping God is going to meet me in this hard obedience. My promise-keeping God is coming to me. Beloved, I tell you this all the time. If the trial's here, God's here. Amen? You're not supposed to be you know, afraid. You're not supposed to wring your hands. You're supposed to know God is, God is using this in your life to make Himself manifest in your life and to teach you something new about Him. Verse 9, they came to the place where God had told him, and he arranged the wood and he put Isaac on the altar. Verse 10, and Abraham stretched out his hand and he took the knife to slay the boy. Abraham was fully persuaded that no matter what he had to do in obedience, Isaac would be walking back down that mountain with him. And there's another place where in the New Testament that talks about this account. Some of you will know where that is. We've already mentioned Romans 4 and Hebrews 11. But if you go over to um, James chapter 2, there's that famous passage there where James is talking about the relationship between faith and works. And, and he cites this example. And, and you know it's interesting too because Paul in Romans 4, who says we're saved by grace alone, justified by grace alone, he uses Abraham too. So you have this example of faith and works and this perfect symmetry uh, that we see in the book of James. There's that familiar passage there in chapter 2 of James and God says, do nothing faith. Some of you young adults will remember, we talked about this a few weeks ago. Do nothing faith. Faith that doesn't really trust God or really obey God. The kind of faith, maybe we show up for church sometime, but that makes us no different from all of the uh, others who worship false gods. They show up. So, do nothing faith. God says three things in James 2 about it. What? Anybody remember? You young adults should remember. I'm not going to put any pressure on you. Maybe a little bit. God says three things about the kind of faith that's an academic faith. He says it's useless. It's useless. He says it's dead. And he says it's just like demon faith. He says, oh, you believe God is one? Oh, that's great. That's great. Satan believes it. Satan not only believes it, he knows it. Satan not only knows it, he trembles. He trembles. Do nothing faith is not real faith. It's pseudo-faith. It's false faith. It does not save anyone. That's what James chapter 2 is all about. Faith that won't trust God in life is not the kind of faith that will save you in death. This is the clear teaching of the Word of God. And so we see in Abraham's life that his faith is real, right? In Genesis 15, he made his profession of faith. And here in Genesis 22, we see that it's real. <laughs> He'll, he trusts God. He believes God. He'll obey God. We're not saved by our works, 
but our works reveal that we are saved. Faith alone justifies, but the faith that justifies is what? It's not alone. The works, as you read there in James chapter 2, it perfects it. And Abraham's faith is being perfected. God is testing the faith of Abraham and it's being perfected. God does this to every one of His children. Again, He wants you to know that you belong to Him so you'll live like you belong to Him. If you're not sure, or if you're just playing religion with Him, you're of not much use. But once you're sure, you'll be like Abraham. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter how hard it is. <laughs> right? You will believe and obey the Lord. Let me just read that text to you real quick. James 2, 21-23. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac his son on the altar? You see that faith was working with his works. And as a result of the works, faith was perfected and the Scripture was fulfilled which said, and Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And he was called, I love this, one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible, he was called the friend of God. Right? <laughs> Is God your friend? Or is he just some kind of pleasant sort of fiction? Or do you know him? Are you walking with him? Are you honoring him in your daily life? Is Abraham's faith genuine? Yeah, it's splashed all over the page here in Genesis 22. Verses 11 and 12, The angel of the Lord, as Abraham had stretched out his hand to strike the boy, the angel of the Lord called to him and said from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. And Abraham said, Here I am. He said, Do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do uh, nothing to him. Verse 13, Abraham raised his eyes and he looked and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and he offered him up as a burnt offering. So what happens here? God meets Abraham in obedience. This always happens, beloved. It always happens. You say, Jim, well this hasn't happened to me lately. Well, okay, here's the deal. Begin to obey God in a new place. Begin to obey God to a greater degree. God will meet you in the obedience. This is, a, this is as true in the spiritual realm as the law of gravity is true in the natural realm. God will come to you. God comes to His servant in His obedience. And what happens in verse 13? Oh yeah, there's a ram in the bush, right? There's a ram in the bush. It's better than Abraham thought. He didn't know how God was going to work it out. He knew, Abraham, he knew Isaac was going to come back down the mountain with him. He didn't understand how it would work. But this is how God decided to do it. He put a ram in the bush. God made provision for Abraham in that hard obedience. He always does this. Beloved, God always does this. You're supposed to know this. You're supposed to know this about God. You're supposed to know there's going to be a ram in the bush. And you're supposed to fearlessly obey God. Even if you don't fully understand 
And you guys know how the, the text ends here, verse 14. Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. What I want to say to you is God's a competent God. He knows what He's doing. You don't need to wring your hands. You don't need to question God. You don't need to interrogate Him. You just need to believe Him. You just need to trust Him. And you just need to obey Him. I'm going to close with two Oswald Chamber quotes. You guys know Oswald Chambers, 19th century English minister. Was he Scottish? Maybe you guys, I don't know. Okay. Oswald Chambers says this, God brings us to the place where He asks us to believe Him and obey Him, but too often we begin to debate with Him. Is that not true? I don't know. Can I get an amen? That moment becomes a great crossroads in our lives and we have to decide, here's, here it is, for God or against God. It's what the test is always about. Will you decide for God or against God? Will you do what God is clearly calling you to do, what you know He's calling you to do? Or will... You follow the wisdom of the world and disregard the Word of God to you. I didn't tell you, but there's that great text. We talked about it in Young Adult Bible Study a couple weeks ago. James 2, verse 17. And, and Eugene Peterson paraphrased it so beautifully. You know, He says, God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense. And that's what I always tell you about pseudo-Christianity, right? It's outrageous nonsense. It's outrageous nonsense to say that we love Christ, but we, we don't ever go out in the world and live like we love Christ. We, we, we're not Christ's witnesses in the world as we ought to be. Peterson is right. To, to have God talk in our mouth but not have any God acts in our life, it's outrageous nonsense. It's pseudo-Christianity. I wanted to share that with you because I think it's beautiful. The last quote here, and I'm done. Oswald Chambers. Regarding living by faith and trusting God, he writes, May God not find the wine, W-H-I-N-E, wine in us anymore, but may He find us full of spiritual... Someone tell me. You probably heard me say this because I love it. Pluck! Who knows what pluck is? I hate that Joe's not here. He loves it when I say pluck. Spiritual pluck and athleticism ready to face anything that God brings. What is pluck? You don't remember. Come on. It's courage. Spiritual courage, right? Just like Abraham. We know our God to be faithful, to be trustworthy, to be a promise keeper, to be Jehovah Jireh. He's the God that says, I will see to it. So the question for you and the question for me tonight is, will we live like we believe that God will see to it? Will we trust the Lord even when we don't understand? Will we obey the Lord even when we don't understand? Will we believe that there will be a ram in the bush for us? Will, will you believe that God will make provision for you in the heart obedience? Will you believe these things? Listen, beloved, this is what true believers do. They trust God. They trust God. They trust God. <laughs> yeah. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Well, even if I hadn't received two emails this week, I was going to have to preach this anyway. I have to preach this every once in a while. It's a beautiful text. We're going to uh, celebrate the Lord's table tonight. So, um,